Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's Gospel is a, is a famous story that everybody knows, the feeding of the 5,000 with the five loaves and two fish. And those who know me, maybe have heard me give sermons for a while, know this is absolutely one of my favorite stories in the gospel. And it's, it's um, I always say, when I get to heaven, the, 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 you know, who I'm looking to meet is the little boy who gave the five loaves and the two fish. I think he's going to have a really cool story to tell. So he's like my favorite guy in the whole wide world. And I think this story, this, this passage, is a perfect picture in so many different ways of God's work in the church today through us. Okay, that's why we read this passage so often. Okay, this passage comes to us, we read it at least, at a minimum, twice per year. And usually we end up reading it four or five times per year, depending on how the calendar works out. And the reason why it's so important, also, this is the only miracle other than the resurrection that's listed in all four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all spoke about this. Because to me, like I said, it's a perfect picture of the work of God in the church today. And when I say in the church, I mean in the church collective, but also mean in the church individual, in me today. And on the surface, you would think what I mean by that is it's a story about how God meets people's needs. That's what you think I'm going to say, about how God gives and gives and gives and gives. Because it's a story about people who are hungry, and they had nothing, and they got fed. So we say, okay, this is the perfect story. This is like exactly how we live all of our lives. We have so many things that we want, so many things that we hunger for, so many things we're in need of, and then Jesus comes and gives it to us. So this is like, yes, this is the best story in the New Testament. But I actually think the message of today is the exact opposite of that. I actually think the message of today is not about God gives us whatever it is that we want. And God is there to just give, 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 give. I actually think the message, especially if you follow through some of the different readings, and we'll look at that in a second. I actually think the message is not that God gives what we want, but the message is that we should be content with very little. Here's our lesson for today, and then we'll look at the, the scripture to teach it for us. I made it rhyme, so it made it easy for you. Earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain. No, I point you means you say. <laughs> Earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain. Earthly desire leads to spiritual pain. Earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain. Earthly desire leads to spiritual pain. Where did the Pauline epistle come from today? Timothy. Timothy. Very good. That's impressive. Okay, usually it's crickets whenever I ask that question. Okay, first or second Timothy? First Timothy. Very good. Chapter seven? Six. There's only six chapters in Timothy. Very good. Very good. Okay, open it up if you don't mind. I want to look at the, the, the Pauline epistle. Because I think that sets the tone for us here today and gives us the message. So if you have Bible on your phone, go to 1 Timothy 6. If you have Coptic Reader, just open up the Pauline Epistle. And I want to show you how today's readings point us to this message about earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain, earthly desire to spiritual pain. 
First Timothy chapter six. Starts off in verse three. It says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, obsessed with disputes, arguments over words which come from, which, from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions. That's, that's the setup. Don't worry about that. Here's the part I want to start focusing on. Uh, well, actually, yeah, that last part, where it says, where godliness, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. Here's the part. Now, godliness... With contentment is great gain. Sounds like what I just said. Okay, but I made it a little bit rhyming, but I just stole it from him. Okay, I ripped it off of there. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see right there, St. Paul is talking about this idea of contentment and greed. You read that word greed, and automatically I know exactly what you think. I'm not greedy. Automatically, you read what it says right there, okay, where it talks about uh, being greedy, and you say, that's not me. Okay, where it says some have strayed from the faith and their greediness. And you say, that's not me. But greediness doesn't mean necessarily wanting so much. What greediness means is wanting a little bit more. It means not being content. So let me tell you some forms of greediness that you might not think about. The married person and the single person. The single person can't wait to be married. The married person wishes they were single. The parents and, the no, and uh, those who are waiting to be parents. Waiting to have kids, can't wait to have kids. When, God, am I going to have kids? I want the kids, I want the kids. Once we get the kids, why God gave me these kids? Where can I send these kids? How come I got nowhere to send these kids? It's not just that. We all tend to want more, a little more than what we have. How about when it comes to things like Relationships. Okay, we tend to not necessarily be content with where we're at. We want more, we want different, whatever it may be. When it comes to our career, God has blessed us all with so much. None of us can say that we haven't been blessed so much. But still, by the same token, we desire a little bit more. We desire something a little bit different. Even I'll go in a slightly different direction. We're not content with the honor that we receive. Sometimes we want honor, we want respect, we want position, we want glory. Sometimes we want an apology. We're not content that that person got away with that. That person, my point here is that greediness doesn't mean being that crazy guy who always driven for more money, money, money. It doesn't mean being the Scrooge guy. What it means is not being content. And I think this is what society has trained us for. Being in a capitalistic society, it is built on not being content. Okay, if we are all content, the economy falls apart. The economy, the world is built upon us wanting more, not being content with what we have. But we cannot allow that to affect us because it's more dangerous than you may think. Go back to the Pauline epistle. Verse nine again, we'll go back there. Well, so actually back to verse eight, where it says, having food and clothing, with these, with these we shall be content. There's the definition of greediness. We all have food, we all have clothing. We all have more clothing than we need. And after coming back from vacation, definitely more food than we need. Yet most of us, if I say, what is it you're lacking? 
would give a laundry list of all the things that were lacking. St. Paul says, food and clothing, with these, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And what I want to highlight is it's not those who are rich. Because if you said who in this room is rich, all of us have to raise our hand. Okay, especially after coming back from a mission trip where we saw some very, very, very poor people. Or talked to Father Abraham who, went to, who lived in Zambia for so many years and saw some poor, poor people. All of us are rich. It's not the rich. It's the desire to be rich. So you can be rich and be fine. You can be poor and be greedy. It's not the rich. It's the desire to be rich. For the love of money, verse 10. Again, it's not the money that's the root of all kinds of evil because God has blessed us. If money was the root of all evil, then we'd all be in a bad situation because we have so much of it compared to so much. It's the love of money. Okay, now verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, what St. Paul is saying right there is figure out what's your goal in life. What is it you're aiming for? Money is not bad. Having a house is not bad. Having clothes is not bad. But is that your aim? Is your aim your reputation? Is your aim the earthly stuff? Because if that's your aim, that's all that stuff. Pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You figure out, my goal is spiritual. My goal is eternal. My goal is heavenly. So therefore, if I have earthly, good. But if I don't, good. I'm content. I'm not fighting my whole life to get earthly. I'm fighting my life to get spiritual. And having earthly, again, we all have earthly, so I'm not saying get rid of the earthly. But what I'm saying is, I'm not living for the earthly. So if I have a lot, if I have nothing, you know, that's what, that's what our parents taught us. Maybe you've seen this. When you've seen maybe your parents go like this, you know why they kiss both sides? Because it's when they're full or when they're empty. Um, my hands are full. Thank you, God. My hands are empty. Thank you, God. We learn to thank God. That's what content means. <clears throat> Verse 13. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing which he will manifest in his own time. He was the blessed and only potentate. Now he's going to talk about how Jesus who's the only one who truly has the reason to desire more stuff because he says he's the only potentate the king of kings and lord of lords who alone is immortality dwelling in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be glory, be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Our message for today, what St. Paul is telling us, and I'll break it down for you and how it relates to the gospel in a second. What St. Paul is telling us is that earthly contentment leads to great spiritual gain, whereas earthly desire leads to greater spiritual pain. Earthly contentment leads to great gain. Earthly desire, desiring earthly things, leads to great pain. And I'll show it to you in two ways. What does it mean to be content? I'll break it down for you and I'll say it means two things. Number one, it means to desire the right things. And number two, it means to wait on God to give them. It means to desire the right things because we all have desires. So I'm not saying you should desire nothing. We're not monks and we're not nuns. I'm not saying that we live, okay, like that. Desire the right things and then two, wait on God to give them. First, desire the right things. If you paid attention it wasn't in today's Catholic epistle, but it's very common. It's from James chapter four, where James talks about how there are earthly desires and spiritual desires. He writes this. He says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Where do wars and fights come from? 
your desire for pleasure that wars in your members. And he's talking, again, collectively to the church, that person, that person, that person, that's why you guys are fighting, because you're desiring the wrong things. But I think it applies here as well. Where do the wars and the fights come from in here? It comes from desires and lusts for the wrong things. And he says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. So first he's saying is you don't have because you don't ask. And then we would respond and say, we ask all the time. And he says, I know you ask all the time, but you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Being content doesn't mean not asking for stuff. Being content doesn't mean not wanting stuff. Being, because if it did, then why did Jesus say, ask and you shall receive? Seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open to you. Asking for stuff, desiring stuff is not wrong. But it's what is it that you're desiring? You see how this works? Desiring is not wrong, but is it what is it that you are desiring? You desire money for the sake of money? So you can have a bigger house and more comfortable life and your life can be easy and you can have that and you can have that and you can have that. You desire so you spend it on yourself or you desire so that you can glorify God and build his kingdom. Again, it's not the money. Money is a means to an end. We did a whole series on that if you remember a long time ago. But it's the love of money that it could be the means to the end. I'm sorry, the love of money that could be the problem and the greediness. Same thing with everything that I talked about. True contentment doesn't mean not desiring. It means desiring the right thing, is that I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How does that apply to today's gospel? Well, what I want you to see is that the people in today's gospel were following Jesus. Why? You had 5,000 men plus women and children, 20,000 people following Jesus till late in the day. Why? Why were they following him? Why were they following him? What were they desiring? Food? No, no one in the right mind no one in a crazy mind would think that they were going to get a fish sandwich at the end of this day. No one in their right mind would think that. They had no, not even 1% chance that this day was going to end with a fish sandwich, even a fish nugget. Nothing. But they were following why. What did he do at the beginning of the story? Let me read to you. You were paying attention a second ago. It says, the apostles returned. They were, when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. He received them and blank. He received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. So what were they seeking? Kingdom of God. They sought the kingdom of God, but we're hungry, but we want the kingdom of God. And I'm sure, I don't know this, but I'm sure, I'm sure that the day ended with 5,000 men and men plus women and children being fed. But I don't, I, my guess is that it didn't start with 5,000 men. My guess is that somewhere around, you know, the first hour, the second hour, some people are like, ah, dinner time's coming. I'm getting hungry. Got to get going. And some people said, I can't take this anymore. I need, to, I need to fill those earthly desires. And I'm not blaming. It's not. But the point is, is that when we are content earthly, we get fed spiritually. And when we desire earthly, what I say? Earthly, con- remind me again, earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain. Earthly desire leads to spiritual pain. And I actually think it's not one-to-one. That's another one. That was these people. They were content. They were hungry, but content. They had desires, but content. They followed Jesus. They sought Jesus. They sought the spiritual. They sought the kingdom of God. And the end result was great spiritual gain and healing 
And then the fish sandwiches at the end. But I'm telling you, the fish sandwiches were not the main point of the story. Because you know why? If they're like me, I just came back from a vacation. We were on a cruise. So if you've been on a cruise, you know this is true. They ate the fish sandwich. And it was a great fish sandwich. What happened an hour later? They were hungry. And the next morning, they were even more hungry. So the fish sandwich wasn't it. But the kingdom of God, that's it. So number one, desire the right things. What is it? Ask yourself. You have desires. You have a prayer list. You have the, Abuna, please put this on the altar. You have the like, God, when are you going to? And it could be work-related. I'm not, I'm not saying it can't be work-related. But for what purpose? Is it spiritual gain you're after or earthly gain? Earthly, earthly contentment, spiritual gain, earthly desire, spiritual pain. That's number one. Desire the right things. But then there's a critical piece, number two. Not just desiring the right things, but waiting on God to give them. Contentment means desiring the right thing and waiting on God to give it. Did you pay attention to the Acts of the Apostle today? Open the Acts of the Apostle. It's a great story. It's Acts chapter 18. And it's a strange story that you might say, how is this related? But just stick with me right here. Acts chapter 18 is about a time when St. Paul, as was his custom, got himself into a little bit of hot water. And he got himself into hot water by preaching the gospel. And of course, back in those days, it was not very well received to preach the gospel. But he didn't care. He just kept on going. And he gets arrested. And he gets brought in front of this guy named Gallio, the proconsul of Achaia. Acts chapter 18, verse 12. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Don't look at verse 14. I know I should not say that. As soon as I say, don't look at, look, at, look at me, look at me. Don't look at verse 14. St. Paul gets arrested and they say, he's not allowed to preach the gospel and they bring him in front of all these people. What do you think St. Paul's going to do? What's his natural reaction? What's he going to do? St. Paul, knowing his personality. Was St. Paul like a quiet, go into the night, easy kind of a guy? What do you think St. Paul's going to do? You know good, let me tell you. And you can't stop. He's about to, he's about to give him the business. St. Paul was that guy. Nothing could stop St. Paul. You know, there's a story one time, it's in Acts 16. And one time they stoned St. Paul. And they stopped stoning him. You know why? They thought he was dead. They left him for dead. He got it from the stoning, dusted the stones off, and did what? Went back into the same city and started preaching the gospel. That's St. Paul. Nothing's going to stop St. Paul. He said, for me, to die is gain. Like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So what, are you, what difference does it make? I'm going to live here, preach Christ, you're going to kill me, and go be with Christ. It doesn't matter. So he didn't care. So they brought him in front of the people, in front of the proconsul, the judge, and said, this guy is breaking our laws. He's persuading men to worship God contrary to the law. St. Paul wants to do what? He wants to say something. But watch how contentment works. Ask for the right things and then wait on God to give. Look at verse 14 now. And when Paul was about to open his mouth, when Paul was what? About to open his mouth. Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or crimes of Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of, of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. And then, look in verse 17, here's the great part. Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, the guy who brought the accusation, and beat him before the judgment seat. But, Paul took no, but Gallio took no notice of these things. He turned a blind eye. And Paul still remained a good while. 
and he continued to preach. What's the lesson right there? They brought him in front of there. He said, this guy is breaking the law. And as, even it says right there, as Paul was about to, as Paul was about to, Paul was about to say, but he said, wait a minute, let me wait on God. And he waited and God solved it. God brought the bad guy. The bad guy came in and said, I don't care about him preaching. That doesn't matter to me. Who's the one who brought this accusation? Sosthenes? And they beat Sosthenes. And Paul continued to preach. Sometimes people, it's this, this debate, okay? Or this, this kind of tension between, I trust in God to give me, but I'm supposed to pray. And I'm supposed to ask God. So it's like, where's the fine line between trusting in God and seeking? Where's the, where's the fine line? Like, I, I got to get this and I got to work for this and I got to pray for this, and, and, but I got to wait for God to give it. I'll give you a picture that St. Paul just showed me right there. Husbands, or it could be wives, depending on who's the punctual one, who's the unpunctual in your relationship, okay? I'll let you guess who it is in our relationship. But when one person is ready to go and the other person isn't ready, okay, let's assume. One person is punctual, one person, every marriage has to have a punctual and non-punctual. Okay, a punctual and what we call it in our house, a laid-back person. Okay, that's what we call it. Okay, the punctual and the laid-back. The punctual person. What do you do when you're ready and the other person is not ready? Let's say you're going out to like a, a fancy event and you agree you're going to be ready at 8.30. Okay, you have two choices. Okay, two bad choices and then one good choice. The bad choice would be, I'm ready, I'm leaving. Husbands, that's a bad choice. We said we're leaving at 8.30. She's still doing her hair. I'm leaving without you. That's a bad choice. In the moment, it seems like a good choice. It seems like the right choice because you said 8.30 and she's not ready at 8.30. The other option is say, you know what? She's not ready till 8.40, 8.58, whatever. So I'm not going to get ready till 8.50. Because then if she is ready, then you're late and it's not a bad situation. So what's the right way to approach it? The right way is that you get ready at 8.30 and you wait. Is you be ready on time and you wait. I'm not condoning lack of punctuality, especially on Sunday mornings. I'm not condoning it. But what I'm saying is this is the right approach that you get ready, but you wait. You don't get ready and go. You don't not get ready. You get ready. You're in the car. Keys in the ignition, okay, ready to go. Not started too soon, don't have to waste gas, but you're ready to go, foot on the gas, boom, you're ready to go. That's what St. Paul was, and that's how we're supposed to be with God. That's what contentment means. It means, God, this is what I want, this is what I desire, I'm praying, I'm trusting, and I'm giving it all to you. And God hasn't opened his mouth. The second God says, go, I'm ready, but I'm not going without you. But I'm not gonna be lazy. So I'm gonna do my part. I'm going to get myself in order and I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to be ready and I'm sitting there. And as soon as God says, I go. But if he doesn't say, how long do you wait? Well, how long do you wait for your wife? You continue to wait. If you want to be married, you continue to wait. One day, two days, like whatever it is, you sit there, you sleep, like whatever it takes to keep the marriage going. That's what St. Paul did. And I think that's what contentment means. Contentment means trusting. That God is good and trusting he's got it under control. Not neglecting my part, but not going ahead of God until he says, go. That to me is what today's gospel is all about. Contentment. Earthly contentment leads to spiritual gain. 
Earthly desire leads to spiritual pain. That's what St. Paul was saying. Pierce themselves through. I want to finish with the, with the psalm that was read today that says this, summarizes this message perfectly. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. You may not realize it, but discontentment is in all of us. There isn't any person who's exempt from it. Each one of us needs to examine ourselves today is where is it that we are being discontent? Okay, I don't want to say greedy because we don't like to call ourselves greedy, but we are greedy. We're not content with what God has given us. We want it to be a certain way. We want God to have done this and he hasn't. We want this situation, whatever it may be. Where is it that we are not showing that contentment? In that area, two things. Ask God, but make sure you ask for the right thing because you can ask for right and you can ask for wrong. Ask for the right thing. And then number two, wait on God to give them and trust that truly the Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works to all who trust in him and call upon his holy name. Glory be to This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.